It's Hamilton, y'all. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Do You Even Art, the podcast about art's place in 21st century pop culture. Art, how do? I'm Mike Morandi, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Matt Martelli and Brendan O'Leary. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Glad to be back with you guys. Yes, I am the B-R-E-N-D-A-N, and I'm happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So Brendan has alluded to today's subject. We're doing a deep dive into Hamilton. Um, We're going to discuss what art's the hardest about Hamilton. Um, A little different from our podcast last episode, we did what art's harder, Interstellar versus um, Arrival, where we kind of juxtaposed, aka cage-matched, (laughs) <laughs> two similar movies to see kind of which one uh, did it better, essentially. Um, this time, we're going to keep everything within Hamilton the musical and discuss uh, which song in Hamilton art's hardest and which act, act one or act two, uh, has more art street cred. Uh, <laughs> so, Matt, I think this was your idea to do Hamilton this week. Yeah, yeah. It's a recent addition to my list of musicals that I like a lot. Thanks to Brendan. I have to say, um, as our listeners will know, unless they happen to be living under a rock, Hamilton recently released on Disney Plus. And uh, gratefully, Brendan and his wife invited me over to watch it as they have a subscription to Disney Plus. And I loved it. I loved it. And funny enough, Mike revealed the next day that he had watched it. And I'll let him tell that story <laughs> the same night. Uh, yep. So since that time, um, I've been thinking a lot about it, and Brendan and Mike and I have been talking a lot about Hamilton and singing a lot about it. Singing a lot about it, thanks to Brendan and Jen again, who uh, got the soundtrack for me on uh, CD. Because yes, ladies and gentlemen, people in America still use CDs. I am one of them. I play it in my car that has a CD player in it. It's amazing. Um, does it also have a cassette deck in there? Or? It does not, regrettably. Uh, but I really A-track. enjoyed it. When, when, when A-track your car is like a. When your car gets a bump, does the CD skip or like, how does it even work? I don't know. No, my Walkman that used to be Velcroed to my center console did. But I did. Discman, sorry. Um, but I've, I've graduated to an actual built-in stereo component system. So anyway, uh, yeah, thank you, Disney Plus and uh, the Lin-Manuel Miranda and everybody who contributed to that wonderful production. Obviously, the cast and crew and director and producer. And I loved it. And we'll talk a lot about it tonight. So, Mike, you, you want to tell us how you context for you watching it for the first time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I saw it um, again, same night as you. Um, but before we go into that, let's let's first take a step back and let's just discuss. So Brendan O'Leary has been preaching the gospel of <laughs> Hamilton for many years at this True. point. Um, and uh, I figured who better than our uh, subject matter expert to tell us a little bit about the history of Hamilton. It's been going for quite some time, actually longer than I, I realized. Um, so Brendan, tell the good people everything you know about Hamilton. Sure. Yeah. It, it has been a long time coming and uh, I would like to say that I was a super early fanboy, but while I'm earlier than my co host it wasn't like I, I knew it, you know, way back in the day. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, I have always been a fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda, mostly because he is such a big theater fan, right? Like mm. he embodies how I feel about musical theater a lot. Cause he's just kind of fanboys around all of the like big wigs and musical theater, 
like I would imagine myself doing, but I would actually do that if I met him, <laughs> which is ironic, <laughs> right? Um, and, and he does it to everyone else that I would do the same when I met. And he was actually on vacation after his first Broadway production in the Heights. Uh, and he picked up um, a book about Hamilton, which is this like super dense historical accounting of Alexander Hamilton's life. And he like poured through this book um, and kind of thought like, oh, wonder if there's like a musical here. And he, he did some research and there actually was already a Broadway play about Hamilton produced hmm. in 1917. Wow. Um, and so he was like, well, maybe it's been done. <laughs> which come to find out he was going to do it a little bit better in the end. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but because of that, he kind of changed gears and he said, well, maybe we'll just do like a project. Like a, and he called it the Hamilton mixtape project. Right. And he had this idea of, you know, a couple of songs and get some artists that he knows and respects to, to record, you know, a mixtape about Hamilton. And so then in, in this was, um, I'm not sure when this was, was probably 2008, 2009. Cause in May of 2009, he actually got Lin-Manuel Miranda got invited to the White House by then President Obama uh, to perform music from In the Heights. Uh, and he decided to not perform that, but to perform, perform, excuse me, perform, perform the first song uh, from this mixtape that he had that he had uh, so, talked about. So he was he was supposed to and he kind of just went rogue and did did Hamilton instead. Yeah, he stood up there in front of the president, oh. and I, I think the president's parents were there, and, and, oh. and the first lady, of course. And he said, "Look, I, I've got this song about this hip hop person, and his name is Alexander Hamilton." And everyone in the room laughs, and they <laughs> laugh through most of this, this song because it's funny, like to hear you know this rap about Alexander or hip hop about Alexander Hamilton. Uh, and um, President Obama actually then later at the Tony, sorry, just jumping ahead in history. When, when it ran a bunch of Tonys, he recorded um, like a thank you to Lin-Manuel and said, sorry, we laughed at you at the White House in 2009. <laughs> um, um, because, so, so that was 2009. So then he spends like a year writing a couple more songs. He said it took him a year to write My Shot, uh, one of the, the, the great songs in the show. Uh, and then they turned it into a workshop. They did a workshop at uh, the Vassar Reading Festival in July of 2013. Um, so again, that's many years later um, after the White House performance. And then in January of 2015, so two years after that, uh, it opened uh, as a musical uh, off-Broadway at the Public Theater. And it immediately had like a lot of buzz about it. People were talking about it. I don't think I knew about it then. Again, I'm not that cool. But, <laughs> pe but people in the theater world were talking about it. It got a lot of press. And, and actually, some of the producers at the time wanted to rush it to Broadway to make the 2014, 2015 season wow. for Tony's. Right. Mm. Um, and Miranda and um, the musical director actually overrode everyone and said, no, 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 we're going to wait. We're going to do it right. Um, and I mean, it wasn't that much longer. It was July of that same year, 2015 uh, that preview started uh, on Broadway at the Richard Rogers theater. Uh, and it opened it on August 6th of 2015. Uh, and nice. it ran, uh, up until March 12th of 2020, uh, when Broadway went dark um, during the pandemic. Um, and so it will be running when, when Broadway comes back. Um, but the earliest that'll be is January of next year at this point, uh, mm -hmm. depending on, on what happens. Uh, yeah. But it's not just on Broadway anymore. It also opened in Chicago in 2016. I think it's still running there. Uh, there's 
at least three national tours. Yeah, there's one in LA, um, there's one in DC. I think they said they're they're doing something down in uh they're actually going to Nevis, which is where Hamilton is from and doing a, a tour down there too, I think. Yes, that's called the N Peggy tour. So the, each tour has a name. <laughs> like there's like the Angelica oh. tour. And then and then they went to Puerto Rico, Lin Manuel Miranda's uh home home uh island of Puerto Rico with the N Peggy tour, which then I think is going to Nevis and, and other other places. Um, which is really awesome. Uh, cool. And then and then most importantly for this podcast, because it's how it happened, they actually in 2016 filmed a performance with the original principal cast at the Richard Rogers Theater over three days. Um, and Walt Disney purchased those distribution rights for the low, low cost of $75 million. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and had planned a theatrical release in October of next year, October of 2021. They were going to do a theatrical release of it. Um, but again, with the pandemic um, and the fact that Broadway has, you know, been shut down, um, Miranda and Disney came to uh, an agreement to release it on Disney Plus, and they released it on Disney Plus July third, twenty twenty. Yes, yeah, so it's been it's been going for for you said twenty thirteen it started. Like I I feel like let's even say twenty fifteen is kind of when it started becoming big. I can't believe it's already been five years. I feel like it's maybe been two. Um, yeah. So it's, it's surprising, like it's already been out for that long. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, hearing all the buzz about it, it's it's cool. Because I think if we, if I had gone to see it in person on Broadway or even on a touring company, like you're missing so much. I think what's really cool about seeing a, you know, more of a film production um, is you're, mis- you're getting all the subtle details that you wouldn't be able to see unless you spent a fortune to get like, you know, mm-hmm. front row seats. So you're getting to see all that stuff. Um and it just, it, it really kind of let you can see all the awesome detail you would not normally get to see if you're sitting up in a box somewhere, you know? That is a really interesting perspective because, and Matt, I'm going to assume agrees with me, but he can add his own. I was really concerned. I do agree that the production on Disney Plus is fantastic. Perhaps one of the best filmed um, mm. productions of a musical I've ever seen. But I was worried, and I'm always worried when I watch a filmed production, of all the things you're going to miss from not being there. <laughs> um, right. So, so I actually went. So I actually saw um, Hamilton on Broadway. I think in, um, I think in the fall or winter of 2018. Uh, and so I saw it on Broadway. The beauty of of actually seeing it on Broadway is Broadway theaters are all really small. Most Broadway the- if you go to an actual proper Broadway theater, there's not a bad seat in the house, mm. right? You're they're, they're small because they have to fit in New York City, right? Right. Um, and so I was worried about all the things we would miss. Um, I actually, we were sitting in the balcony, um, not the front row, because <laughs> we had <laughs> thousands of dollars for it. Um, but, uh, you know, I was worried about things that I saw from up there that might get missed in the movie. And then, again, I think in the recorded version, they they really stayed true to a lot of it. And I was really excited to see that. So you guys actually, you have theater backgrounds. Like you, Matt, you have put, put mm-hmm. on multiple plays. Uh, and mm-hmm. Brendan, you've helped out on a, a large portion of them as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been involved in performing on stage since I was in second grade and performed all through high school. Well, obviously all through middle school and high school. And I actually majored in theater. Mike and I were are, are fellow alums of DeSales University, and I was a, um, a theater major there. And I loved the training I got and loved the experience that I had and put that to use both uh, back at my alma mater where I, where I teach. And I've been involved with the theater program there our high school theater program for about uh, 15 years. 
and working as set designer and assistant director. And then also my family and I had a production company for six summers uh, where we produced original theater. And so, yeah, definitely, you know, watching, <laughs> watching Hamilton on, on film, you know, technically, uh, was an interesting experience, you know, always Brendan said watching a live performance filmed is, is odd, you know, and I'm so glad I got to see it with Brendan and Jen live actually, because one of the things you miss when you're watching a film or a filmed performance is the audience response. It's actually, we, in our theater class, we call it the empathic response. So you feel emotions from the actors, vice versa. You feel them from your fellow spectators in the same way, audience members, I was going to say, in the same way spectators at a sporting event, right, influence athletics, et cetera, and obviously that's a whole part of society we'll be <laughs> exploring in different ways, thanks to COVID. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so some of my thoughts and opinions tonight will be shaped by my theater background, but also by kind of the definition of art that I've been discussing over the last couple weeks. And uh, I, I knew Brendan, but Brendan and I got to be friends by working together on theater, actually. Yeah, exactly. I think I think I even mentioned it in the first episode, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Matt is directly. I would I blame Matt directly for my interest <laughs> in theater because, although this is this is an interesting full circle thing with Hamilton, is my father I would not say is a very like theater focused person, um, but when uh, our high school that so Matt and I went to the same high school, Matt, Mike and Matt went to the same college, um, when our when Matt um, was there our high school was doing Jesus Christ Superstar. And my father said, oh, you'll really like this. Because he knew I liked <laughs> classic rock at the time. He's like, you'll like this music. You should go see it. And I actually saw it three times. Because I did like <laughs> it so much. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, like I saw it. I think I saw it opening night. Then they did it for our class. And I, I watched it then. And then I made my parents take me back the next weekend, too. <laughs> um, and fell in love with musical theater that way. Again, got involved in high school, much like... Like Matt did, I helped out uh, Matt during his um, run with the production company, mm -hmm. um, and that was great. I also uh, like to pat myself on the back and call myself a professional theater person because <laughs> when I was in college, I technically got paid by the state of Maryland to work <laughs> in the University of Maryland's theater. So I was both a government employee and a, and a professional theater artist at the same time, <laughs> which is great because you can literally say it's close enough for government work and mean it. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of theater uh, stuff did you do in college brendan right yeah so an interesting thing here is you know matt's uh obviously well not obviously but matt's experience is much more on the performance side and writing mine is mostly on the technical side so production stage manager and then also focused on lighting a lot uh, in college was uh in the lighting department um so theatrical lighting is kind of like a huge passion of mine when it comes to theater although theater in general um, I've definitely fallen in love with. And, and to close the circle on that story, my father is much more obsessed with Hamilton than I ever was. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. And it's brought him to the theater in the way that it's brought a lot of people to the theater hmm. um, that aren't, don't consider themselves theater people. I, I am, I am one of those people. I think I, I, so I have a film background. So I went to college for film and I was like, you know what? Film is the coolest art form. I love it. And of course, as a, as a, TV film, which is kind of adjacent to theater, you're working with theater actors and film actors. You start getting a feel for theater and 
started getting an appreciation for it in college, but it was really just like, I like plays. I don't like musicals because it's not real. Like when in your life are you going to walk down the block and start <laughs> bursting into song? Or It's just like stupid. It's silly. Half the time I can't even hear what they're singing about. Did not like musicals at all. I would much rather see a play with good acting than it and something with songs. But I, I was blown away. I mean, I think this is probably the first time I've seen a musical where I've been like, well, hang on a second. Okay, wait, there, are there other things? Are there other ones like this? Like what other <laughs> things can I see that's more like this? This is fantastic. And I think a lot of us to do it. I think the music is a lot more accessible. I think it's accessible to people who, I, I feel like the new generation of people who are going to be going to see theater, like the music is more pertinent to them. You're not, you know, Broadway tends to be a little bit, it's very Broadway. It's just, it has, it's, it's its own thing. And if you don't like show tunes and that kind of thing, it's kind of like you're a little bit ostracized. You can grow to love it, sure. But um, most people who aren't interested in theater are, are probably, I guess, I mean, Brendan, you're, you're an exception. But for me anyway, I hear those kind of things and nothing about that draws me in because it's not really my genre of music. But Hamilton strikes a really interesting chord. And I'm sure there's there's plenty of other musicals who do, that do it as well. Um, by using rap and hip hop uh, in a way to tell a historical stodgy white guy's story is like what how did this happen but it works it works so well and it makes you interested like i am now interested in theater i'm now interested in hamilton in u.s history i now know this th you know the second and third president is like i never knew these things before i know interest <laughs> it won me over which i think brings us to our very first portion um of what art's hardest we're going to discuss sort of the songs what we think i, I think we've kind of agree that we're each going to say our top three favorite songs we think are the best, but which one is going to be the the crown jewel of the whole production? I've kind of uh, wiggled around with this for a couple days uh, because when watching for the first time, which was my first time, period, I had I had heard the song "My Shot" performed at a local theater. Um, I had I had uh, played the piano for a student who auditioned with the song "Burn," and that was my exposure to Hamilton. Um, so I went in pretty blank and after a particular song i was like oh that's my favorite song <laughs> played um and i've tried to go to other songs <laughs> but i'll start with my number three pick um uh i'm going with number three my 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 bronze medal for best song goes to uh, satisfied which uh you know is the song where uh, angelica schuyler who in Hamilton is sort of in this couple that never was relationship, unspoken sexual tension relationship with Hamilton, um, thanks to her own grace, which allowed, which, which led her to introduce Hamilton to her younger sister, Eliza. Um, so in this wonderful song, by the way, spoilers, we haven't said oh, that yet. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, by the way, spoilers. So if you haven't seen Hamilton on Disney+, Plus, go listen, go watch it right now. And we're back. <laughs> um, Insatisfied, uh, this wonderful song, what happens is uh, we see how Hamilton meets the Schuyler sisters and how Angelica introduces Hamilton to Eliza and their courtship and their his proposal and asking for uh, Eliza's hand in marriage, etc. And then we're at the wedding. And at the wedding, during her toast, Angelica recalls the events of the meeting and first seeing Hamilton and everything through her perspective. And, and the obviously 
the you know um, Lin Manuel Miranda and the original production team staged it in such a way that literally events rewind on stage, and they used this wonderful uh, rotating disc that we call a revolve on stage to great effect, and the scene rewinds and you watch it in a different, totally different perspective. And, and Angelica's song is beautiful and catchy and quick and incisive and heartbreaking and just breathtaking. I would say that was, that was my favorite experience of the play was watching the song satisfied for the first time. Um, and because I saw it on film at film first, you saw so many different camera angles. You saw some overhead shots showing you what was happening with the revolve something you would literally never be able to see in the theater in any seat um and i was just blown away uh so i would say my three is uh satisfied so yeah how about i i like this jen uh, brendan you had suggested maybe we go around with our threes like and our twos and our ones so i'll hand it over to brendan brendan why don't you tell us about your pick for bronze medal sure yeah i, th I think my bronze medal um is going to have to go to nonstop, mm. um, mm -hmm. which is the end of the first mm -hmm. act. I predicted that. Um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, and of course, like many musicals, for those of you <laughs> Mirandis out there that don't see musicals, brings a lot of the themes from the first act together. Um, and that's great. I mean, I, I think that's amazing, right? Like the one amazing part about this, again, going back to um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's fanboy nature on theater is all of the amazing references to other theatrical performances other musicals um you know it's like it's throughout like i i actually tried to today when i listened through it write them all down for myself and then <laughs> of course go on the internet and find more like there's a next to normal reference i didn't even realize because i don't know the next normal mm. music that well but you know south pacific and west side story and the pirates of Pizans and rent and singing in the rain and of course 1776 and the last five years by Jason Amad Brown and, and lots of Shakespearean references. There's Amadeus, right? There's even, there is even, he even quotes Pablo Picasso basically in this musical uh, because Pablo Picasso said every act of creation is first an act of discretion, uh, destruction. And so it's like the same uh, thing that Hamilton says, hmm. um, which is really interesting. But I think nonstop has this, this theme uh, in it that sets up the second act in a way that is really subtle if you don't know mm. the story to begin with, right? There's this huge focus on why do you write like you're running out of time, mm. right? That comes into in nonstop. Um, you know, Hamilton was running out of time at this point, right? This is the time of the Constitution's being written. He only has 17 years to live at that point. Uh, but he has this huge body of work that he's leaving behind because he's such this prolific writer. Um, and so he is writing like he's running out of time because he is running out of time. Um, you know, we, we and, um, you know, this this concept of the convention and, and Hamilton really having this very different view. It's kind of only nodded, uh, you know, like nodded to a little bit, but it's it actually also sets up historically the fight between Hamilton and Jefferson because Hamilton didn't really uh, embrace at first the idea of the Constitution, ironically. Um, he was he said at the Constitutional Convention, he's actually quoted as saying, well, Britain has the best government known to man and, and was very focused on a strong central government, right? Um, the concept of the Federalist Party that comes out uh, later after the Constitution is there. But at the same time, Hamilton supports this, right? He's actually the only delegate from New York who decides to sign the Constitution. Hmm. Huh. Uh, and so it's this very like kind of dichotomy of Hamilton wanting to 
stick to his principles, but then also, you know, most importantly, wanting to to advance his, his own name. It's interesting too, because this is, I mean, we think of the constitution today, like it's, it's crazy that at some point, him, this is one where him and Burr are talking about, he's asking Burr to defend it, right? Yes. Yes. So that comes in. It's crazy. I think at some point, like this was a brand new young document and it might not have been widely accepted by everybody at that point, I guess. Yeah, no, it really wasn't. And, and that the Federalist Papers was a big um, push to accept it. I mean, actually, if you think about the Constitution without the first 10 amendments that came very soon after, it's actually not that great, right? There's not a lot of, a lot of the things that you think about in the Constitution are guaranteed to, you know, freedom of speech and freedom right, of religion. Later. Yeah. And you know, that's all in the amendments. Like that wasn't in the Constitution to begin with, which is kind of critical if you think about you're trying to fight for this independence, right? Um, but again, even, even still, even though Hamilton is doing that, um, you know, he, they say every proclamation guarantees free ammunition for your enemies. And this again, foreshadows the second act amazingly because the Reynolds pamphlet, right. And publishing his own support for Jefferson and for president leading to that duel, um, are two things that lead to Hamilton's downfall, both personally and, and in politics. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's very interesting. And Mike, to your point, um, when he comes to to Burr to ask him to de- support and defend the Constitution, which is straight out of the oath of office for the United States, um, huh. you know, he's Burr's first question is, is this a legal matter? And it's where it shows their relationship switching. Right. They were friends. Right. When when mm-hmm. Burr comes to his wedding, they're friends. He's like, hey, let these other guys leave. I'm going to hang out with Burr for a minute. Yeah. Um, but then this like relationship becomes very professional in the second act. Um, and then eventually degrades into where they decide to duel. So my third pick is uh, is nonstop. Okay, so for my bronze, um, tough call. I want to say the Battle of Yorktown. Uh, I love that song. Is This kind of emerged later. I feel like it wasn't one of my favorites up front, but the more I listen to the, the soundtrack, um, the more it's just, it's really well, it's, it's telling the whole story of the, it's like the climax of American independence, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the feel good, you know, act one starting to come to a close. It's like the big victory, like Hamilton gets his army. He can finally fight, which he's been wanting to do. Um, and then just musically, like the whole thing has just such a pulse and such a drive through the whole thing. And it builds and builds and builds. And it's just, you kind of looking at everything that's at stake. It's like him and him and Lafayette are, are bros in the battlefield. And there's that, that really brutal line where he's like, hey, when you go off to fight, for freedom for your people will be there with you when you do Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awkward yeah. collar tug Ooh. Um, <laughs> but then it's just it, the way it builds and, and you know hearing you know that he's he's trying to he's starting a nation he's about to meet his son like something about the, the musicality of it, i think is really really cool and i think just the the climax especially like after the battle is done and they talk about like it, it, it's very um the imagery is fantastic it's one of the 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 um you know again credit to uh, miranda for the the lyrics that are so well, like his word choice throughout this whole play is just fantastic. And I think um, what's cool is like, he's painting the picture where he says that there's church bells ringing. There's, you know, tens of thousands of troops are retreating. People are yelling. It's just, he paints a brilliant picture of like what that must've been like when, when the United States finally said like, we, we won, we, we did it. We defeated this global superpower. Um, and we're going to be our own country. And I think it's just cool because it's like the last, I feel like the last moment of real, um, simple joy of the play because we kind of have at that point we start you know the king comes out not long after and he's like oh congratulations you won fantastic but now you got to run the country 
<laughs> and now we move into like you know the the other portion of the play which is like the the infighting and the complexities of running a government and trying to build a government and build a country um but i just think it's like that that um it's got that whole first half which is about the battle and then it's got the world turned upside down it just musically i think it's just a really really cool uh really cool song and it's got the maryland shout out oh <laughs> peak bay Yes, yes, just a big bang. Wonderful making through all three rounds without uh, repeats. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no. It's going to no. get contentious real soon. I know it. Okay. Number two. That's okay. I think I have a different choice for number two for my, uh, for my silver medal. Um, interesting, mm-hmm. Mike. Um, I would choose the song that comes right before the one you chose for my number two. History has its eyes on you. Uh, good old Washington taking the front there. Uh, yeah, this one kind of came out of nowhere, but I was just literally thinking through the songs that stuck out to me and the melodies that I could hum as kind of one, um, you know, like one aspect. Uh, but then also kind of thinking about those categories of art that I talked about, you know, as something novel, beautiful, and good. And what I love about that is I think it's my take is I think it is one of the most want to use the word wholesome um truly good (laughs) i don't know songs like like it's a message of you need to behave like everyone is watching you um and that you uh, each each person will be judged by his or her actions um Mm -hmm. those actions define who you are it defines your legacy and they have consequences for other people um, I think there's at least one other song that echoes that, but it's the first to do it. And I think it's the one that does it best without shades of, um, I actually don't think it's a, it's a self-aggrandizing song. I don't think it's a song about um, egotism it's or narcissism. No, it's... it's a song about, about choices and morality and integrity. Um, so I think it's a song about integrity and it's beautiful. And I think it's exquisitely beautiful in that, that line um, you have no control who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Um, it can seem kind of hopeless, but every time that line comes up in the play, it precedes an act of choice, an act of agency. Um, so in the face of where that could lead someone to despair, to say, well, it doesn't matter what I do. You know, fate happens and life happens and other people have their choices. No, the characters um, still do their, still still act, still move. Um and still make change and make waves. Um, so yeah, my silver medal goes to yeah. History has its eyes on you. Yeah, I think yeah, I think for I I'm having a hard time here. I I don't want to telegraph. I think I know what Matt's number one song is going to be, and I don't I I have two number twos, but you can't have two number twos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my number two song is going to be what Matt picks as number one. I'm predicting. Um, the, what was what I was going to pick for number two, but instead I'm going to stick with my theme of, of closing acts and pick, Ooh. um, who lives, who dies, who tells your Ooh. story. Well, that was a my segue. Two song. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, and I think this is really important. There's, there's something that there, um, that, you know, it, again, it's, it's wrapping up the play, but it's also kind of, um, really important to for a couple of reasons one again washington starts it with uh what you just said matt right he starts the song with let me tell you what Mm -hmm. i wish i'd known Mm -hmm. when i was young and i dreamed of glory that you have no control who lives who dies who or tells you story right and that's something that he tried to impress upon hamilton 
um, yet the one person that was going to have control in his life, um, you know, he had ended up betraying when he, you know, cheated on uh, Eliza. Mm. Um, but she, you know, being much stronger than him, uh, put that, puts that aside and does tell his story, right? She, she arranged, you know, for all of these writings of his to be saved. There's, mm-hmm. There are thousands of pages. She says thousands of pages. There are mm-hmm. volumes and volumes of Hamilton writings um, put together. Um, and she raises money for the Washington Monument, right? She mm-hmm. starts this orphanage that still exists today uh, in New York City. Um, and so it's this it's the story of, you know, what Eliza was able to accomplish after Hamilton and what Hamilton wasn't able to, Alexander wasn't able to accomplish. Um, right. It's, you know, Angelica says in the song that every other founding father's story mm-hmm. gets told and gets to grow old. Right. Hamilton died at 47. Um, and of the seven men that were named, you know, founding fathers or key founding fathers, Adams, Franklin, Hamilton, John Jay, Jefferson, Madison, George Washington, only one other one, George Washington, died before the age of 80, <laughs> right? So Hamilton That's died at crazy. 47. Washington dies at 67. Mm. Uh, everyone else lives past 80. Um, and and so, you know, Hamilton didn't get to do that, right? Um, and, but Eliza still, you know, preserved his story in a way um, and, and did much more for his legacy than he ever did mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways right. because he yeah. didn't have the time that he wanted, right? She was given that time. Uh, and very aptly, um, you know, my wife puts out, and there's other key places um, where this is, is true too, but right here I think it's very clear that the musical is not named Alexander Hamilton. Mm. Um, the musical is mm. named Hamilton, right? Um, and the legacy awesome. here that's being told about Hamilton is about both of them. Mm. Uh, and without Eliza, the legacy that Alexander longed for Right. He was all he Probably cared about. Exist. Right. The only thing he cared about, he cared about it more than his family. He cared about it more than than uh, his his wife and his, his marriage. Um, it wouldn't exist if it weren't for Eliza. And so I think it's very apt that um, the musical is named Hamilton and not not Alexander Hamilton. That's really cool. I never I never picked that up. I like that. And a lot. That's all true. And um, all, everything it said Eliza did yeah. is is 100 percent true that's probably the yeah, most historically yeah, accurate most song historically in the whole show, yes. show. Yes. <laughs> yes i was gonna say he takes a lot of liberty but yeah. that one is is pretty spot yeah. on yeah yeah that's cool true. you know guys this is awesome because those two songs i really <laughs> wanted to pick but i'm like you know what they're not like they're not in my heart right like when those songs come on i'm not just like oh here we go this is it like they're good and i feel like they they are the heart of the show and i feel like this is those are something that you need them to make for the show to make sense um, so like, I really wanted to pick them and maybe I have for one or two. <laughs> well, not for two. I'm gonna tell you number oh, two, yeah. I picked, uh, that's where I put satisfied, satisfied. Oh, nice. It's a, it's a short story in the long story. Mm. This is like sort of, this could stand alone on its own as uh, I mean, you need the scene before it to kind of put it into context, but I just think it's a brilliant piece of like micro storytelling because we're seeing a scene from one angle and this is, that's been done many times, but, um, seeing it done in, different, in a different way and then understanding the story behind it. Like all of her reasons are, are great. Like it's, it, it, when we have, so first of all, the stage effect of being able to use the, uh, the what would you call the it? Revolve. The revolve. I was going to call it the rotunda. That's not quite right. Um, <laughs> the revolve is just, is amazing. Visually it's amazing. Um, I think her performance is fair. I think she's probably got top three voices in the show. I'd say, I think she's fantastic. 
Um, and then there's just so many, like there's so many elements to it. There's a bit of hip hop. There's a bit of, of more traditional stuff. There's just amazing singing. Um, and then just seeing the story, I think going, going back and kind of uh, seeing it from her point of view and the logic and the reasoning behind it, it's all really good. It's the, it's the societal pressure, societal mm-hmm. situation, even though according to, you know, actual history, her father did have sons. So um, <laughs> we're going to ignore that. Children. Ignore that. <laughs> you're right, right, right. <laughs> she, she was fine. She could. I mean, the thing is too, it's also, it's, it seems like her, you know, her whole thing with Hamilton was greatly exaggerated, but for the sake of the, of the show and the, and the production, assuming all, let's just assume that stuff is true. It's, it's very well told. And the fact that like, it really sets up the relationship between her and her sister. The fact that first of all, she is willing to give up somebody that she is in love with for the sake of her sister, knowing that if she said anything, her sister would be willing to do the same for her. So just that really interesting, like in, in a couple of sentences, we already know what they're like, what the relationship is like and what they would do for each other, I think is, is great. And um, for a show that's mostly about men, it's a really good moment that kind of showcases the, some of the female talent. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's, Matt really captured a lot of it, but I just wanted to give my shout out. And I think it's, again, one of the, as far as just hearing that song, I think musically just uh, mm. so, so good. It is. I, I don't know if I would love it so much without having seen it though. Like I, I I'm so grateful that I got to see it the first time, <laughs> you mm. know, that was my first experience. And I, and even, and I think Brendan, I don't know if it was you or, or your wife, you were like, just so you know, this is what's going to happen before it happened. And so I was even set up for it. And then I saw it and I was like, I was, I was enwrapped. It was incredible. All right, let's get, this let's time. get, let's get into it, man. Let's, let's do this. Come on, man. What art's hardest about Hamilton? All right. I've waited for it. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so we were watching Hamilton, Brendan and his wife and I, and a particular song happened in act one. And I was like, that's my favorite song. Hands down. And I think it was Brendan's wife. She's like, just wait, just wait. You know, there's a lot of other things. And I'm like, okay, but that's my favorite song. Like that song, (laughs) like, like played, like my phrase is that song played me like a violin, like musically, artistically. I know what song it is. (laughs) Emotionally, it just played me. And I was like, that is the best song in Hamilton. According to me, I, I, I don't think I would stand on a, on a, on my, I'm right soapbox about this. But for me, the best song in Hamilton, the song that, that, well, see, uh, just do it. Just commit, uh, just commit it's, to it. It's wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Burr's first, basically solo. I mean, it, it is, it is, he's definitely the lead. There's very few solo songs in Hamilton, right? It's, it's like the lead voice and then the ensemble, or even it's an ensemble song with, with different leads in it. But uh, it's the song that, that, outlines the key character trait of this character of Burr, right? And it's important to understand that the character of Burr in Hamilton is not necessarily an authentically historical portrait, right? That Lin-Manuel Miranda wanted to tell a story arc, I think, to get us to the duel, right? Mm. And he wanted to, to weave the story of these two historical figures, both of whom cut an incredible figure in American history, um, I didn't know things about Aaron Burr. I, I, literally, I knew Aaron Burr shot Alexander Hamilton. It's the only thing I knew, mm-hmm. uh, to my discredit. Um, but but it's cost, that's true of most Americans. Uh, probably I, most Americans. You yeah. think of that silly that silly commercial with the with the peanut butter and the milk. If anybody knows that, Aaron Burr, yes, Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so 
just just being drawn into the character of, of Aaron Burr, obviously Leslie Odom Jr.'s Tony Award winning performance as Aaron Burr, I found enrapturing, um, amazing. If I were in this musical, I would want to be Burr, hands down. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And the song "Wait for It," it just. I listened over and over and over again to those three songs today. I listened to, to each of my three picks at least three times today. And every time Wade Ford comes on, this thing happens to me that, that happens when I experience, like, ah, oh, like, like I think I would say experience something ineffable, something almost spiritual. It's, it's, it's not like chills. It's like something inside me is ignited. Um, and as that song crescendos in different places and, and you hear this, this man sing about the fact that he is willing to sacrifice the things he wants to get the things he wants. You know, it's this kind of weird, right. almost semi-contradictory message. And he, and he sets himself up as antagonist to Alexander Hamilton at the same time that he clearly admires him. Um, and wants to be more like him. So it's it's almost like this sibling song, you know? It's a song that two siblings in a play, in a musical could sing. It's a song that enemies, that spouses, that that best friends could sing. And it, it to me, exemplifies that beautiful relationship that is so complex um, in films, in novels, in in theater, of, of a relationship that turns right yes that starts in one place and goes to a different place and, and i'm sure we've all heard that old adage that the opposite of love is not hate it's it's apathy and at no point in time is burr apathetic toward hamilton right. so his journey yeah. from love to i don't think it's even hate his journey from anger and frustration and lack of control and he feels envy. so disrespected envy, and yeah. envy and esteem is is all part of the same journey it makes so much sense. And I think the seeds are planted in that song. Um, and so that's why I think it's art. So it's beautiful, hands down, musically beautiful. Um, I think it is novel. Uh, just the interesting syncopated rhythms. It's it's always interesting to me that, and I'm going to speak based on total stereotypes here, but it seems to me that Burr songs have some of the most almost Caribbean rhythms to them. They've got these really interesting, yeah. you know, um, there's a very just... interesting use of Caribbean rhythm. Yeah, and it's always Burr there, songs. Right? I mean, it's that. It's a nonstop. It's it's the room where it happens, and it always goes around Burr, the the American born American, you know, or, or right, you know, mainland yeah. born American. Yeah. But that to me says he's almost co opting part of Hamilton's experience. He keeps calling him the the immigrant, you know, orphan mm-hmm. son of a you know what poor son. Um, yeah, and at the same time, he loves him. He loves him in this complex and nuanced way and he is singing with total honesty and so we get to love burr too it's mm-hmm. it's it he, he, one of his last lines in the play is i became the villain in your history books um and and lin-manuel miranda refuses to paint any character in this musical with with broad strokes Every right. character is nuanced. Every character eh, is maybe John Adams. <laughs> okay. John but Adams. he's not a character in the play. He's yeah, not a character, Adams, right? Yeah, right? Every right, person right. who's on stage is complex and has depth and three dimension, and that's the moment where we really get to start to fall in love with Aaron Burr and empathize with him truly, not sympathize, empathize. Empathize, um, yeah. And yeah. so, for me, hands down, wait for it. Just steals the gold medal. 
Thank you for letting me yeah, rambled I, on about that one. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's a great one. I mean, it's a great song. It is a great song. One one more, sorry, this is a non sequitur in some ways. One more Caribbean theme thing. Mm. Um, it does happen with, with everyone where um, it, they the three men, Madison, I know you're Jefferson, gonna say. Burr, I know you're gonna are say. Con- <laughs> confronting him. They go, you best go oh, run yes. back where you come from. Yes, like, yeah. That's, best very, best. that's like the most Caribbean of any. Best one. Oh. Intentionally. Well, they even change yes, their, they even yes. affect that dialect on purpose. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. And so I would agree, Matt, that um, Wait For It is the best song in this musical. Yes, 100%. Nice. Agree. Um, and I'm going to take a minute to talk about it because I intentionally didn't choose it for any of my songs because I knew how much you loved it. (laughs) It is the best song, but it does not art the hardest. Okay. And so, so I think I know what Brendan's going to pick. I think I know what Brendan's going to pick. I think I know. So can I guess? No, don't guess. Don't guess. Okay. We'll tell you if it's right. Well, no, well, go ahead. You've talked about what wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, wait for it. It just, it is the best song. And I, belt this song like <laughs> no other song in the history of theater uh, but it also is so nuanced right yeah um right burr talks about he was left with nothing but just a legacy yeah. to protect right legacy. hamilton had nothing to lose burr had mm. everything to lose because the mm. legacy already existed his yeah. parents had yeah. this legacy but died when he was two years old mm. and he had to protect that legacy hamilton had nothing but gets this legacy that's so much better than burr's mm. in the end right um and Death takes and it takes and it takes and it takes. Mm. Burr's parents, eventually his wife, General Montgomery, who he he stuck his banner to in the war mm. um, and was working to climb with. His daughter ends up actually lost at sea late in life. Oof. Right, Burr kills Hamilton. Right, death takes and takes and takes from Burr. Um, chills, chills. We <laughs> we rise and we fall. Right, this is just what King George is telling us in his in his oh. songs. While funny, we rise and we fall Oceans is the same thing fall. of oceans. Yeah. Rising and empires falling, right? He talks about Hamilton facing an endless uphill climb, right? Mm -hmm, That's the rise mm -hmm. up theme of Hamilton. Mm. But like Sisyphus, Hamilton thinks himself more clever than everyone else. He thinks Mm. he's the smartest person in the room. Mm. So it's an endless uphill climb, right? Um, Burr later says, I'm I'm not standing still. I am lying in wait, right? Which is great, right? He's weighing his options. But very interesting here. Lying in wait is actually the legal term in many states that goes with first degree murder that you the, oh, the person was lying what? in wait, right? And so this Where is foreshadowing. This <laughs> well, I, I did a little genius research. I, you've got to check out the genius lyrics if you haven't. Oh. Lin Manuel Miranda is very involved in the genius community. I don't know if you know the website Genius Lyrics. It's where people can annotate lyrics from any song, oh. and Lin Manuel is actually super involved in in the songs there. And so they talk mm. about lying in wait. Right. So did he plan all and the first degree murder is premeditation. Right. So Mm. did he plan all along to kill Hamilton? Does he knows that already? He Mm. says in the first song that he's the one that shoots him. Is it the plan all along? Right. I mean, even Um, if it wasn't, there's a certain amount. I mean, you don't duel somebody at the drop of a hat. That is premeditated. He even talks about he's slow. I'm slow to anger. But like what you're doing Mm -hmm. is making me like so it it is in, in many ways he. He's a, he doesn't act rashly. He always thinks in terms of slow, careful, dis- deliberate decisions. And that's his downfall in some way because he it, sometimes you got you to strike when the iron is hot. You got to be able to mm. see an opportunity and take it. And he can't do that. Um, Except, yeah. well, <laughs> he says Hamilton doesn't hesitate. Right. But Hamilton right. is the one who hesitates in the duel. Oh, right. He takes his time and makes the decision to yeah. give mm-hmm. his legacy by firing a shot away. And Burr hesitates a 16th of a rest here that is not in the other verses, Matt, 
on the word hesitate. So even there, he has this inkling of maybe he should hesitate more than he he will in the end. Hmm. Um, and then and then there's a couple other things at the end of the song, out of Burr's like portion of the song. Um, well, this is still Burr. So he talks about I'm watching the afterbirth of a nation, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is an interesting call. There's a, there's a lot of very interesting call-outs, right? There's folks that have had concerns about Hamilton, um, right? Because obviously many of the um, founding fathers were slave owners. Um, Hamilton's abolitionist tendencies are maybe, some historians would say, overstated in the musical. Mm-hmm, right. Although, again, he only lived to 47, so we can't really say, mm-hmm. right? And Lorenz was an abolitionist and died in the war. So we don't know what would have happened differently mm-hmm. um, if those two men had survived uh, mm-hmm. longer. It's it's possible that, and this afterbirth of a nation is a very, you know, the, oh, the show makes birth of a nation, makes of a nation. because oh. there's a yes, the birth of a nation, oh. right? So oh. this is showing, this is acknowledging the white supremacy that was built into the Constitution oh. in the beginning, right? By saying it was the afterbirth of a nation, um, and, and a call out to the famous. Uh, white supremacy movie, uh, right. The Birth of a Nation. Wow. Um, and then two parts, two parts uh, that aren't um, uh, Burr here is this, uh, you know, uh, look around, look around and helpless uh, mm. theme at the end, right? When when um, Alexander's getting called uh, to serve, um, he throws Eliza's look around, look around line mm-hmm. back at her. And then swore and this is uh, actually quoting Lin-Manuel Miranda but he swore to Eliza he she wouldn't feel this way mm-hmm. and bro you didn't even make it to act two is what I think exactly what yeah. Manuel <laughs> said and she's already saying helpless um, and then at the very end of that song um, he says that this is again you know to, to credit my wife for the why they named it Hamilton and not Alexander Hamilton Alexander actually says I am Alexander Hamilton and the ensemble says Hamilton just you wait not Alexander. Mm. Back to it. So very interesting. <laughs> anyway, so well, that here. was what I wanted to talk about with Wait For It. Well, actually, I, hang on. I, Brendan, I'm going to jump yeah. in here. I'm sorry. I think it makes sense. Um, I'm going to ask you to hold your, your gold medal just for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> because I think my gold medal kind of works well. I also was considering Wait For It. Um, <laughs> it because I feel like if we don't have Wait For It, we don't have a lot of other songs. It's that mm. main theme. It's Burr's mm. theme. It's the same theme for, you know, Burr, Sir, and uh, I think it's in non, it's the end of a nonstop. And it's also in his, the, the, I guess, the penultimate song of uh, The World mm-hmm. is Wide Enough. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's that. So without, you know, that's kind of like the root of the tree and we get all these other great songs from it. Um, but I knew Matt was going to pick way for it. So I figured, you know what? <laughs> I'll go with the flip side um, and go with the, uh, I think, more heart-wrenching version of Wait For It, which is uh, The World is Wide Enough. Um, as my number one, because I think that is the culmination of everything that he's done at this point. So if you think mm. like he sets up, wait for it, right? Which is a pretty, you know, for the most part, it's like everyone can kind of agree with that. Everyone can kind of agree with, you know, you wait. Some people are proactive. Some people are like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to just hang mm. tight, see what's. Um, but I think the the fruit of that tree um, happens in in the world is wide enough. And for, first, again, musically, you get so much. The bang for the buck in that song is fantastic. It's like three songs in one. <laughs> Um, uh, you, you got you got the monologue from Hamilton. You have the whole like the ten dual commandments reprisal and everything like leading up to it. So you get his mindset leading up to it, where he's kind of like you, you, they're getting to the dueling ground, and then just his like Hamilton's got his glasses on. So clearly this man is trying to kill me, 
I'm trying to protect my daughter. I'm, I'm furious. Like just the buildup and everything. Even like, God, how can you not feel for the guy when he tells you his, his confession? He's like, I'm a terrible shot. He's a marksman. Like he, I'm, I'm basically doomed. I'm fighting for my life here. Like I'm giving everything I've got. So when you talk about like early on, what's cool is this song has their roles reversed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying that he's lying away. He has to, he has everything to lose. It's same thing here. He's like, I'm probably going to get killed here. Like I have to fight for my life. And, um, you know, when you think about the duel itself, like Brenda, you kind of already said it, but like Hamilton is, you know, claims he's not going to throw away his shot. Burr is all about waiting for it. Hamilton throws away his shot and Burr's last words before he kills Hamilton is wait. Cause he realizes like too late that Hamilton's not going to fire. He didn't have mm. to fire. He could have waited. He didn't have to be rash. He was, um, and he killed him. And just like the, 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 the third part of that song is just, him coming to terms with his actions when he acted sort of not in his own character, um, when mm. he acted rashly, when he didn't think. Um, not that I think the show is trying to say that like his that waiting for it is always the right thing to do. I think it's it's showing that sometimes you have to take a stand, you have to do something, you have to act. But you know, the, him coming to terms with what his legacy is going to be, um, the fact that like you know his history is painted in all of his mistakes is mm. brutal. Like everybody makes mistakes. I mean, look at Hamilton for God's sake, right? Like he made a lot of bad decisions, but we don't really know him for all that stuff. We know him for the things he did. Burr, I I only know him because he's the son of a bitch who killed Hamilton. I remember as a kid looking at a history book and seeing like a drawing, like a 1980s awful drawing of the two men dueling and Hamilton shooting up in the air and Burr shooting him. And I was like, oh man, Burr is a bad guy. I know nothing about him, right? Mm -hmm. He loves Hamilton. He admires Hamilton. He's envious of Hamilton. It's his very, very complex emotion and it kind of comes to a head in his in his murder. And and for me, I think there's other sh- other songs that wrap up the show and the moral message better. But I think as far as character work, um, and because I really love Wait For It and just seeing how that song evolves and where it kind of comes to a rest, I think is just fantastic. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Mike. I mean, it, it definitely wraps up Wait For It, like in so many ways, right? It's this, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a huge fan of Les Mis. And this is very much where the like, Javert and Jean Valjean relationship Mm. um, is similar, but inverted here. Right. So like, again, borrowing from genius, they said, um, you know, (laughs) that in Javert's suicide, um, you know, he says that granting me life today, this man has killed me. So, right. It's like the inverse of that, Mm. that like Hamilton died, but I paid for it. Right. Right. Um, And, and actually paid for it as sung in the same melody as wait for it. Right. 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 Completely, the thing there, right? And if you think about like the end of is right, uh, and if there's a reason he seems to thrive when so few survive, then God damn it, I'm willing to wait for it. Versus he may have been the first one to die, but I'm the one who paid for it. I survived, but I paid for it. Right? It's the same. That could be one line after the other. I mean, they, they exactly that's something he's Lin Miranda is so good at finding um, verbal and uh, like similarities. And, and I mean, obviously, if you can freestyle, that's becomes second nature but he just does it over and over again and i didn't even notice that until you just said it like i keep discovering these things in the show where it's like oh there's that there's that like mm-hmm. yeah and then the american history buff in me loves it because um the world was wide enough for both hamilton and me is actually a quote from aaron burr um right. later in life right um he's quoted as saying had i read stern more and voltaire less i should have known that the world was wide enough for hamilton and me oh um, and so it's this like amazing reference to the fact that he should have just shooed 
Hamilton away and not worried about it, but instead mm. he was too vindictive. Well, I think like, it's it's sentenced himself to this life of being, you know, the villain in your it, history. It's him and Hamilton both like they need to take a lesson from good old George Washington, who doesn't care about his legacy. He or, or maybe isn't is afraid of it, but he often like there's a point where he uh, they go into a duel for him. He's like my my name has been through a lot. It can handle it. Like he's unconcerned with his legacy, and these two men are. are you know, very concerned about their legacy and where it brings them is not a good place for either of them. Yeah. I, I always say that this is like as good as Hamilton is and what a great, you know, picture of Hamilton it gives. And um, Hamilton's not necessarily my favorite founding father. I, I had to tell my son who loves Hamilton that I probably would have been on Jefferson's side. Yeah, I think politically. so. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and he was sad about that. I was like, well, I'm sorry. I wasn't, I wouldn't have been a federalist. I, I do love the Federalist Papers, though. Um, but but to that point, uh, like the image of George Washington in the show is like my image of George Washington. Yes, like yes, spot yes. on. Well, um, and I, and he... I cry the most. So the song I cry the most, if it was by, um, if it was by, which song did you cry the most? Did it would be one last time because again, directly taken from Washington's incredible. Um, uh, farewell speech to the nation, which everyone should read. It warns against partisan fighting, as he says. It warns that a two-party system will end up with extremes of both and uh, figureheads at the top of both parties that will um, be the worst of us and all these things. Like Washington predicts in his farewell address, you should read it if you haven't read it. It's long and hard to read because it's from you know the 1800s, but read it. We need Lin Manuel um, Miranda to make a rap about it. <laughs> exactly, because you know he does. He does this thing of stepping down from the presidency so that the nation learns how to do that. And we had for a long time, the tradition of only two terms. And now it's in the constitution that you only get two terms of president. Um, he calls people, his fellow citizens. That was the title of the address right, yeah. His address to his fellow citizens, right? He is no better than them versus a King stepping down, right? Would still be, you know, King emeritus or whatever. Um, he is a citizen now, right? That, that, um, selflessness of washington about his legacy is is the best of the founding fathers even though again it's acknowledged in the show you know he he had his faults as well right he was obviously a slave owner um but it at least shows us the best of the ideals that were there right um so actually this is an interesting segue because brendan i thought that was going to be your number one yeah i thought it was going to be my number one too again if i was cry the most it would have been my number one (laughs) i do love it but, you know, it, I mean, Lin-Manuel, I love you, bro, but you wrote the least of that song, right? That's like half yeah. Washington's farewell address. <laughs> yeah. Touche. I'm just kidding. But my gold medal song is a little song that we've talked about today called Satisfy. Uh, oh! Uh, <laughs> it got all three medals. Whoa! Whoa! I think that Satisfied arts Sweeps. the hardest. Okay. Because as much as I agree, Wait For It sets up the arc of Burr, um, better than Satisfied does. Um, Satisfied sets up, I think, the most critical relationships in the show. So, obviously, as men, we're biased probably to the the man's relationships, right? The the, the fraternal relationship of um, Burr and and Hamilton. But I see this relationship of Eliza, Alexander, and uh, Angelica as like so critical, right? Mm -hmm. And the characters' motivations and the actions the rest of their show match their motivations in that song perfectly. There's nothing that changes, right? Like their character is fully established for all three of them in that song, and it's very clear, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for me to ignore the staging here too, right? So Matt talked about the staging. Again, I saw it in person. 
we were in the balcony so we were we could see the revolve above and and it's just the, the it is probably one of the most well choreographed storytelling choreography pieces of live theater i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. um and so that almost alone makes it art harder than everything else <laughs> but then there's all of this other lin-manuel just tasty tasty stuff in there right angelica says who is always by your side um and again that is her character she's always by eliza's side throughout the rest of the show and in fact she's buried next to the hamiltons near in trinity church in manhattan Mm. Um, so she is always by eliza's side um there's this uh this kind of it seems like a throwaway um you know girl swooning over a man uh you know I almost forgot my dang name, right? Yeah. Which sounds just like, you know, it's a swoon, right? Like someone love at first sight. But it's also she almost forgot that the name of Skylar is in her hands, right? And again, in the show. Oh, dude, She has the name as the most important thing that she has to uphold, right? Oh. and then also here I learned um, the, the concept of never satisfied, right? Yeah. You'll never be satisfied actually comes from... Um, an old woman who was visiting Eliza Hamilton 50 years after Alexander's death, like near her own. Um, and this quote is in the Hamilton book. It says the old lady, meaning Eliza, uh, always paused before a bust of Hamilton in her tour of the rooms of the house, leaning on a cane, gazed and gazed as if she could never be satisfied. And so again, oh. this, this like love mm. of Hamilton and the love between Eliza and Hamilton and what drives Eliza to tell his story later is like, so clearly felt and and that's the that's the character thing now for the show and like the concept of the american revolution right um eliza realizes three fundamental truths at the exact same time right which mirrors her discussion of angelica sorry angelica no making sure okay we're on angelica yeah angelica i realize and it mirrors angelica's line about the self-evident truths Mm -hmm. um, uh, thomas hyverson writes about um but she doesn't have that independence. She is forced to marry for status uh, in her mind. And so those, you know, that thing that she's going to compel Jefferson to write about in the sequel, she doesn't even really grab for herself, right? She she allows herself to, I mean, allows herself. She is forced by society <laughs> to live up to the societal norms of the time and and, and do what she has to do. And then my last reason for the gold medal is the haiku that Matt missed in this song. Oh. Oh. What? Oh, I just I just hurt Matt's heart. So, what? if it no, takes I'm excited if it takes to learn. If it takes fighting a war for us to meet, it will have been worth it is a haiku. Wait. Uh, and someone pointed it out to Lin Manuel um, and said, "Hey, did you know that this line's a haiku?" And he said, "Yes. He's got a li- winner over with one sentence, so it has to be a haiku." Oh my god. <laughs> And I also saw him interviewed, um, again, as much as I love my friend Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's maybe the weakest singer in the show. Yeah. The leads. And he does admit in an interview once I saw that delivering that line as smooth as Hamilton does was the hardest part for him in the show. Because he's like, I wrote that way smoother than I've ever been with a woman ever. Mm, <laughs> nice. So anyway, that's why Satisfied becomes my, uh, my gold medal. So that's our what art what art's hardest as far as songs go, but now we have the colossal issue of which act 
art's hardest. Now this is going a little bit long, so we'll probably try to keep this a little bit shorter, but um, between the two acts, what do you guys think, Matt? <laughs> Easy Act for me. one, act two. Easy for me. Actually, yeah. this was that. Yeah, I, mean, I said it again. First time I watched it, I was like, yeah, I like it. At the end of act one, I was like, that was really awesome. <laughs> and yeah. then we watched it. And then at the end, I was like, yeah, I like act two better. And Brendan's wife was like, oh, just keep listening to the soundtrack. And, you know, after I listened to the soundtrack the second time, I said, yeah, it's grown on me, but act one is better. Um, I, I truly believe act one is better. Um, theatrically, storytelling, um, it, you know, the, a significant chunk of act two reprises songs in act one cleverly. Um, but I think act one has to do the heavy lifting. Um, and I just enjoy it more. I think the music is also tighter. There are more songs that mm-hmm. I personally like and think are better songs. Um, it's funny. My, was it Mike? You said no stinkers in act one. I'm like, there's a couple in act two that I, I think are, I don't know, Lynn manuel um, I got I got strong feelings, but my short answer to the question is Act One for me, no question. Uh, I'm just I'm just curious. R- rattle them off. Which uh, what songs do you not like? <laughs> um, <laughs> Trying to call them out. I just I think like they're it. I just think they're weak. They're short and they're weak. Um, mm. uh, Blow us all away is the one that comes to mind right yeah, away. Yeah, sure, um, sure. I guess that's the only one that I really that I think is is truly weak. But there are so many songs that are just so short in Act Two. Um, I I just think Act Again. I think Act One does the heavy lifting, and then now Act Two has the harder job of concluding, which we we all know from any episode we've ever watched of a final episode of a television show, the third movie in a trilogy. Like that is a job that yeah, no one should ever have podcast. to do. So <laughs> you're already going to be biased against it, um, and I am. <laughs> but I yeah. but. Even even taking that into consideration, as much as Act Two has grown on me, and I do like it, Act One for me, hands down. Yeah, I do agree that I enjoy Act One more, and the <laughs> apt listener will note that all three of my songs are from Act One. Mm. <laughs> um, but um, oh no, I guess I guess I had an Act Two song in there, but I, I'm going to go with Act Two. Mm. Um, I think that Act Two does something that this musical uh, has this musical transcend musical theater in the way it has. Right. So um, again, I, it's interesting because as a musical theater person for myself or my wife or Matt, you know, we watch it and we, um, and he listen to it and we hear all these like recurrent musical themes, Mm -hmm. but to Mike's point to, you know, just popular culture's point um, it brings musical theater people in a different way. And I think the, the thing that it does best is, uh, or when it does that best is like just modernizing these characters of mm. the men that started the country. And I think that act two tells that story better. Um, I think act one is more enjoyable. It's more fun. Um, but I think act two, these battles between the founding fathers, right. As rap battles, those kinds of things are so inventive and open musical theater to people that never thought of themselves as musical theater people. And for that reason, I have to, I have to go with act two. Yeah, man, I'm with you on that one. I would say, so, you know, I was thinking about it and I, the, the question is for me is which, which one arts harder, not which one did I enjoy more? Um, I think I enjoy uh, the first half better because it's, it's simpler. I think the, the conflict is between man and, you know, it's an easier enemy, right? Like King George is the bad guy. England is the bad guy. Everyone's on the same side. It's just, it's, it kind of like culminates in this great, like a battle of Yorktown. Um, it's just simpler, but I think the second one is saying 
so much more, I think, especially as far as the themes go, because it's addressing where, you know, the king's gone. And now it's like, you got to fight amongst yourselves. You got to figure out how to make it work. The conflict is a little bit deeper and it's more uncomfortable. And you have to sit there and, and watch us fight against us and people blackmail each other and Hamilton have an affair. It's watch a son get murdered and then them deal with the, it's like, it's brutal. It's a lot of like harder stuff to watch, but I think that's what makes it, you know, I think I always talk about art as, as being something uh, true to me. It's, it's communicating a truth about life. And I think the first half of the play doesn't really do that. And I think the second one, it, it does to a degree. I think the second one does it in a much more uncomfortable way. And I think art tends to, it should somewhat be uncomfortable because it's making you confront a truth. So I, I, my votes for, uh, I, I enjoy the music of the first act much better, but I think uh, the art of act two hits, hits home a lot more. So Can I just, I, I just have a comment that I would like to make. Can I just yes. make a, a totally non sequitur comment? <laughs> uh, I want to say something really controversial at the end of our podcast, right before we close. Um, and, and comments are welcome, ladies and gentlemen, listening audience. Um, this clearly the audience can tell that we love this, right? (laughs) That we love Hamilton, that Hamilton has brought people to musical theater, that Hamilton is good musical theater, um, that Hamilton is so textured and complicated and, and thought provoking and thoughtful. I would like to go back in time and have Lin-Manuel Miranda write The Greatest Showman. Um, I, I, I wish the greatest showman could be remade. I wish that that piece didn't exist. It just struck me in the middle of this conversation of, you know, Hamilton, I believe came first, right? Premiering in 2015. And, and I want to say, uh, the last greatest showman was 16 or 17. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm taking a shot there. Um, wow. Just what a contrast. I, I, I think we should, what art's harder Hamilton or the greatest showman, but clearly I've already shown my hand here. So comments are welcome. Make, is it much of a discussion? How make, how make the whole the greatest showman art do? Is the greatest showman art? Oh, we might have oh, just come it. up with a new topic there. Thanks, Brendan. All right. Thank you for letting me go off on my non sequitur there. So for me real quick, I, I'm not very familiar with that. What's the similarity? What's the parallel? Oh, um, a, a 2010s musical released that has very broad appeal. They're both about historical characters, um, flawed historical characters, and where one of them flagrantly celebrates that character and downplays all the messiness of that character who is very messy and very problematic for 21st century audiences in American who, history. Who was it? Who's the uh, character? Burnham, P.T. Barnum. Okay, I thought, yeah, I thought so, yeah. Uh, what, what Lin-Manuel Miranda has done is create something beautiful and textured and pro-American in a way that is not factionalistic and a way that is not reductionalistic. Mm. It's complicated and messy like the American experiment and acknowledges the flaws, like I said, of every character in this piece. Um, and it's just, they're just, it just, yeah. Yeah, even, even Washington, <laughs> right? Like we gave Washington a pretty right. good, a pretty good pass to this, but there's this thing that was pointed out to me after the, the, release that um when eliza sings yes, yes. um you know uh that that uh sh- you know she spoke out against slavery and you could have done so much more if you had more time mm-hmm. uh christopher jackson who plays washington hangs his head uh in in the shame of of what basically he's in you know he's dead and gone at that point but is acknowledging as his character the you know 
that Washington and the South, you know, fought to keep keep slavery in the Constitution and, and have it be, you know, a, a critical part of um, the America that they created that then took forever to dismantle. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not forever, you know, but took a very long time it, to dismantle. It took and, pretty and, much forever, all things considered. For, I mean, yeah. 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 Like, yeah basically, we're still fighting um, with the, the fallout from that very... Um, at the time, they thought very little, I think, of the impact of that decision. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, th- that and... moment is actually really cool because that was at, at, in an interview with Chris Jackson. He says that it was it was a decision he made because mm-hmm. um, it was hard for him to play. And a lot of these guys, you know, people of color playing, you know, founding farmer founding farmers. Good God, can you tell <laughs> I live in D.C.? <laughs> um, <laughs> Such a good restaurant. Though. Great restaurant. <laughs> um, a lot of the founding fathers all owned. Most of them owned slavery and didn't really do a whole lot. The show is not about that. It's almost like you know they completely gloss over. They have a couple of moments here and there, but um, for him, it was sort of like his way of like you know Washington as somebody who, who quotes scripture and is such a good hearted person. It's like how can how could you have not done something about it? Mm-hmm. And it's the idea. Like I think his. If, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. His, his The look he gives is almost this look of, of course. And he has this like very humble mm-hmm. bow. Where, like, it's just mm-hmm. a really cool moment. It's very subtle. Uh, probably not even meant to be noticed, but it's like when you know it's there, it's just really cool to yeah. see. And caught on camera beautifully. Yes. Yes, exactly. And to Matt's point, again, like the show, I think, you know, uh, my opinion is, is Lin-Manuel does this amazing job of bringing the American ideal into the light of our understand modern understanding of what that should mean. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that all men are created equal does include women and includes everyone. Unlike what the founding fathers meant it as, um, or, you know, what their definition would have been, um, and bringing, you know, people of color to the stage, uh, for the show, I think just, just underscores that so critically mm-hmm. that Lynn Manuel is saying, let's look at the American ideal, the American experiment, you know, let's acknowledge the history of it, but let's also like live up to these ideals, right? They're ideals and we need to try and live up to them. Well, so and and again, I think, I think it's brilliant to have chosen people of color because it, ju- it makes the show less about white people. It's about the country mm. itself. It's mm-hmm. about like the struggles <laughs> exactly. of the country. And I think it kind of, it, it puts a lot of that, you know, to not to rest, but I think for the purposes of the show, it allows you to focus on other things. Yeah. Um, to, to that point, like the people that complain about it would say, oh, well, it's glorifying these people. And like I said, it's I don't think it is, right? Mm-hmm. To your yeah. very reason, it's not. Yep. That's great. Well, gentlemen, this was a, a fruitful discussion. Fantastic. <laughs> um so next next episode, we're gonna be um I think we may have even said in our last episode we're gonna be doing memes this week. We we couldn't help ourselves. We had to do Hamilton. <laughs> we were talking about it too much. We're like, we just gotta get this done. Yep. Um so next episode, episode four, we'll be doing um our memes art. Memes and their role in the human experience. So uh, tune in. That's going to be <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one. Nice. Um, so uh, until next time, uh, gentlemen, where can people find you on the internet? Well, uh, you can get in contact with me on the Twitters, uh, O'Leary Crew, O L E A R Y C R E W, uh, on Twitter. Um, and if you have comments about the show, don't forget to email yes at doyouevenart.com, uh, where you can can argue with math that uh that the greatest showman is art <laughs> yes uh remember i use cds uh so i <laughs> don't really have social media so you can reach me at matt at do you even art.com if you would like to reach out to me and i welcome your comments about the greatest showman bring it on <laughs> uh everybody i am mike Morandi. um 
I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use it. So find me on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of my uh, animation work. Uh, so that's at uh, Mike Morandi. Until next time, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we had a great time, and we look forward to seeing you for the next one. Take care. Thanks, everybody. So when we came out on Disney Plus, my girlfriend and uh, my my uh, uh, in laws came over. We're all gonna. Well, I just said girlfriend. <laughs> that's gonna be a really awkward Whoa, one for the wife to listen. That to. is definitely gonna be edited out. I'm, I'm just cutting that right out. Why don't you start yeah. that sentence over again? <laughs>